and the New Testament lesson, Romans 3, 10 through 26. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths and ruin are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that, that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is the word of the Lord. The late uh, Dave Busby was born with cystic fibrosis. Um, cystic fibrosis, a progressive genetic disease of the lungs that causes persistent infections and restricts the ability to breathe over time. Dave was 47 years old when he died. When David was uh, one year old, he contracted polio which caused his legs to be severely undeveloped. When I met Dave, he was in his early 40s, speaking at a youth pastor's conference in Atlanta. And he walked, stooped over, and stiff-legged. He was a powerful preacher and speaker, but he would cough occasionally through his messages. He, 
He said that after every preaching uh, opportunity he had, he would go back to the hotel and cough up blood. Um, when Dave was a boy, he was bullied by kids at school because of the way he walked, the way he looked. At home, he said he would sometimes pound on his legs until they were bruised. He so hated his legs. He was so ashamed of his body. Dave told us um, that as he was growing up, he felt like he wore a great big D on his chest, a D that stood for defective. Um, and so he felt like for most of his life until he came to know Jesus that he was always what he would say, doing the dance to get rid of the D, doing what he had to do to get that D off of his chest, to, to get rid of or hide his defectiveness. Um, Dave's story and that image of the D for defective being on his chest has stuck with me for almost three decades now. Um, I can, I can barely relate to his physical um, struggles, but, but in a sense, I think we all can. I mean, I've got physical qualities and personality quirks about me that, that make me feel like I've got a big D on my chest and I'm defective. All of us struggle with that to some degree. Um, but like Dave Busby, some of those things are just simply out of our control. I have, a, I have another problem. You know, maybe the physical qualities or the personality quirks make us different, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean we're defective. We're made in the image of God. Um, but I've discovered there's a D that stands for defective that I do deserve to wear on me. Because there are spiritual defects in me. Uh, there are choices I've made. There are words I've spoken. There are uh, thoughts I've imagined. There's desires I've kindled. There's actions I've taken that weave together and stitch together this D for defective that belongs on me. I think you probably understand what I'm talking about. All of us innately know that D is there. And perhaps like me, you've tried to do whatever dance you could to get that D off your chest, or at least cover it up so no one will see it and shame you for it. This morning, my prayer is that we'll see that the good news of Christmas is that God came to do something about that D on your chest. In Ezekiel 36, God promised, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. You see all the eyes there that God said, if somebody's going to do it, God's got to do it. And that's what Christmas is about. He came to do something about the D on our chest. I will remove it, he says. I will wash, you away, wash away 
all your sinful defectiveness. And so this morning, I want us to see how that promise in Ezekiel 36, it it comes to full flower in Romans 3. Uh, It's fulfilled in the gift of Jesus. So before we do that, let me pray. Father, would you come by your Spirit, open the eyes of our hearts to see your word, to see Jesus in it. Open the ears of our hearts to hear you preach Jesus to us. Because apart from him, we remain defective. Would you give us good news this morning, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the Bible is a lot like that TV show, What Not to Wear. I'm sure you're all, all familiar with what not to wear. I won't ask for a show of hands or you may be ashamed, but uh, I've watched it a few times, just saying. The premise of what not to wear, if you're not familiar, is uh, you nominate a friend or family member who has absolutely no sense of style, whose wardrobe is atrocious. Um, if any of you nominate me after today, I'm going to be mad. Oh. But you nominate this friend or family member, and you know they go through the process, and they show up on the show. Uh, there was one lady that was on the show that uh, her entire wardrobe uh, had turtles on it. I mean, maybe turtles are your thing, but an entire wardrobe of turtles. Um, it, it gives a whole new meaning to uh, mock tea because you would want to mock someone who wore that all the time. My apologies to you turtle lovers. But somebody's got to come along and rescue these people from their lack of style, right? Um, And some of these folks know how awful they look, and they're ashamed of it, and so they're happy to get the help. But some are just fine with how they look. They don't really understand why they've been nominated. But, hey, I'm on a TV show. But the fashion experts, they will make sure everyone feels sufficient shame for what they're wearing. So they bring them in, and they stand them in front of a 360-degree full-length mirror under bright lights, and they show them how awful they look, and they tell them what's wrong with what they're wearing. And then they tell them how to find out what they should put on and what they ought to wear. And the rest of the show is about that transformative makeover. That's what the Apostle Paul does for us in his letter to the Christians in Rome. What not to wear. Uh, In the first three and a half chapters of Romans, Paul puts us in front of the mirror under the bright lights. And he tells us what not to wear. He tells us the bad news. He says, You're wearing a great big D on your chest. You're defective. And then, beginning at Romans 3, 21, he tells us where to find the right clothes and how to put them on. He gives us good news that there is a way to get that D off your chest. And it's not the way you think, he says. He says, our unrighteousness has to be exposed and we need to be given a righteousness to wear. So let me kind of 
help catch you up to Romans 3.21, all right? Um, in Romans 1 through 3, Paul is coming along and he's saying, what you're wearing is unacceptable. In fact, it's offensive. And you're exposed before God as unrighteous. Like Adam and Eve, we, we all long to cover our unrighteousness, to hide behind fig leaves that ultimately wither. We want to avoid the exposure of our sin to get our own eyes off of it and off of us and our exposure. We want to get God's eyes off of us and our exposure. We want to get everyone else's eyes off of us and our unrighteousness, our defectiveness. And get everybody else's eyes onto something else. Thank you. We try to divert our own attention, God's attention, and the attention of others in several ways. In Romans 1, Paul says that our method, our strategy is to say, hey, look at that. And we say this to ourselves so that I don't see the defectiveness, the big D on my chest. I start going, hey, look at that over there. And it's idolatry. Uh, I begin to exchange the glory of God for the for created things, and I run after those because they'll help me forget that I'm defective. They'll help me feel better about the D on my chest. In fact, they may even tell me, you're okay being defective. Um, look, look at that. Look at that. Get your eyes off of yourself and your defectiveness and onto some other God. In fact, that other God may even save you from your defectiveness or at least numb you for a while. But Paul says, don't put on idolatry. It's ultimately self-worship. You know, in Romans 1, Paul says that we've exchanged the image of God for the image of created beings. And ultimately, the image we all end up worshiping is the one that we see in the mirror. It's about self-worship. And Paul says, put that off. Don't wear that. In fact, it won't only, it, it, it won't remove the D, it will only make that D bigger. It will only increase your defectiveness. Then in Romans 2, Paul shifts and he says another strategy to get everybody's eyes off of your defectiveness is to say, hey, look at them. Look at those people and their defectiveness. And so he talks about those of you who judge others. Aren't you just the same? Um, we, we say, look at them. Their righteousness is worse than mine. Their unrighteousness is greater than mine. Their defectiveness is bigger than mine. My resume is better. My reputation is better. My record is better. My parenting is better. My house is better. My marriage is better. My healthy lifestyle is better than theirs. My job or my income is better. My performance as a person is better. Paul says, don't wear comparison and condemnation. Take that off. It's ultimately just self-protection. And it won't remove the big D on your chest. It'll actually just make it bigger. So those two strategies, hey, look at that over there, or look at them. And then on, he goes on in Romans 2 and he says, the next strategy to get everybody's eyes off of you is to go, it, it seems counterintuitive, is to say, hey, look at this. 
and to point to yourself in a certain way. It's actually to point to your own religious works. It's self-righteousness. Um, it's, uh, it's like the billboard I saw one day uh, many years ago. There's a fine-looking man in a nice suit dressed up, and then this was, you know, for some men's clothing store, and the, the phrase underneath the picture said, life is better when you look good. And so this is, this is the self-righteous person. The truth is that life is better when you are good, and, and that's our problem. We can't be good, so it lets at least look good. So look at this. Look at what I've done. My religious resume is good. My religious reputation is good. My religious record is good. And Paul says to those people at the end of chapter 2, don't wear self-righteousness. Get rid of it. Because you cannot be righteous enough. It's a never-ending quest. In fact, your self-righteousness won't cover up or remove the D. It will just make it bigger. And you will be more guilty. So he's building, he's building this case, Romans 1, 2, and he comes to chapter 3 where he says, all of us have sinned. And he says, so let's look in the mirror. He says, through the law comes the knowledge of, the, of sin. The law of God is that room of mirrors in 360 degrees that you can't escape under the bright lights and when you really compare yourself, when you really look in the mirror of God's law and you see, you say, there's no way to hide the D on my chest. I am defective. And so he says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God even as much as they look like they are. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless, big D on the chest. No one does good, not even one. And then he uses uh, body imagery to just say that all of you is defective. Your throat is an open grave. You use your tongue to deceive. The venom of snakes is under your lips. Your mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Your feet are swift to shed blood. In other words, you're, you're murderous. Uh, your paths are full of ruin and misery. In the way of peace, you have not known. There is no fear of God before your eyes, Paul says. Everyone has a great big D on their chest. And we've all made it bigger by trying to hide it or get rid of it on the, our own. By trying to divert everyone's eyes, including our own, off of it. We all need something new to wear. Did you know that gifts of clothing are among the most common presents, gifts, mentioned in the Bible? Go research that, but it's true. Gifts of clothing. It, clothing was first noticed by its absence in Genesis. Um, Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. It was the evidence of their innocence and that they had no D on them. 
After the fall, clothing becomes then a symbol for the need for human shame to be covered. As they covered themselves with fig leaves that wouldn't last, they, they withered and they had, to kept, they had to keep replacing them over and over again. Until God, in chapter 3, comes along and says, I will provide your covering for you. I will provide the clothing for you. And he has to shed blood to give them the skins of animals to cover their nakedness and shame. And so now in Romans 3, again, God is shedding shedding blood to cover the defectiveness of his people. And Paul says, don't look at idols, don't look at others and what they're not doing, don't look at yourself and what you are doing, look at Jesus. He is where you'll find the righteousness that will cover your sin and dress you like him. He says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ is for all who believe. For all have fallen short of the glory of God and have sinned, and all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received as a gift through faith. Now, I'm not going to take time this morning to to try to unpack all the details of this passage, which is called by some the gospel of gospels in the New Testament. But uh, I think the Heidelberg Catechism does a great job of describing for us and explaining for us what Jesus has done so that we could have the D removed and be clothed in him. It's, it's all about this word justification. I know you've heard it a lot around here and around the church, but, but listen, listen to the Heidelberg Catechism explain this. How are you right with God? In other words, justified, declared righteous. The answer is, even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments and of, and of never having kept any of them, my conscience accuses me as I look in the mirror of God's word and I see the big D on my chest. And even though I'm still inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if I had never sinned or been a sinner as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need to do is to accept this gift of God with a believing heart. That's justification. You've heard people say maybe that you can remember what it means to be justified by saying it's just as if I'd never sinned. It is true. That's part of what Paul is saying here. When you're justified, it's, it's just as if you'd never sinned. Uh, your debt is canceled and, and you're brought to zero. No sin to pay for. Jesus has paid it all. But there's more to justification than that. It's also just as if I'd always obeyed. That, that's amazing. And what Paul is saying is that God credits Jesus' 
righteousness, Jesus' perfect obedience, all of Jesus' law-keeping, he credits that to our account, to our record. So it's not just we're forgiven of sins and we're brought to zero. We are now credited with all the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we stand before God justified, righteous, declared righteous. Even when we are not actually doing everything righteously. He declares us, as we are, righteous before him. Righteous before his law. In justification, God removes our filthy garments of unrighteousness and clothes us with the clean garments of the righteousness of Jesus. Because you see, Jesus wears a D on his chest. Jesus wears a great big D on his chest. His father said to him, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The D that Jesus wears on his chest is for delight. His father delights in him. And he deserves it. Because he is delightful. Jesus, in his perfect righteousness, is dressed in the delight of his Father. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. On the cross, Jesus took my D for defectiveness, put it on his chest. And he buried my D in that grave. And he rose again from the dead, perfectly justified in his work on the cross by his father. He rose again from the dead and he took his day of delight and he put it on me. That's the gospel. That if you will trust Jesus, that if you will quit looking at other little gods, if you will quit looking and comparing yourself to other people, if you will quit looking to your own righteousness and throw yourself completely and wholly on Jesus, he says, I'll take your D. I'll give you my D. That's the good news of Christmas, friends. That's what you get when you get Jesus. That's the promise of Ezekiel 36 that Jesus came to fulfill. I will, God says, cleanse you from all your idols. I will cleanse you and you will be clean. The question for us is, will we receive the gift? Will we receive the gift? Do we believe? Do we rest on the righteousness of Jesus? Or will we keep looking to other things to save us from that D on our chest? Looking at other people and saying how much bigger theirs is than ours and how defective they are compared to us? Will we keep looking to our record and defending our record, our record and our righteousness and saying, hey, I'm okay, I'm okay, look at what I've done? Or will we simply come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, the sinner. Father, that's what we want to do this morning. Um, 
sounds too simple. Uh, but in our pride, we keep trying to find ways to do the dance to get the D off our chest. In our pride, we don't want to humble ourselves and admit that we put it there and we deserve it. And that our only hope is Jesus. But Father, how we long for the D that means delight. How we long for you to come and delight in us. And the only way there is through Jesus Christ. So would you help us trust him, rest in him, this Christmas and put him on. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.